Thank you for downloading this New Zealand Sports Radio show. We have a new way that you can support us. There is a link in the notes down below where you can make a one-off donation to New Zealand Sports Radio. Thank you for support and uh, enjoy the show. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello, (laughs) welcome to the Super Rugby Trans-Tasman Round 3 Review. Yes, I thought we'd gone live, but we hadn't, and then we haven't. Oh, sorry for that. uh, A bit of a disjointed start for you there, folks. Um, Hi, I'm Paul. I'll be your host this evening as we go through the five games of Super Rugby Trans-Tasman Round 3, including that it has the uh, Hurricanes versus the Force, the the Waratahs versus the Crusaders, uh, the Blues versus the Brumbies, the Reds versus the Chiefs, and also the Highlanders versus the Rebels. And spoiler alert, folks, yes, we'll be talking about an Australian win. Wow, the first one so far in Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. And uh, joining me to go through all of this action, um, first up, uh, I've got uh, Stephen Harris. How are you doing, sir? Very good. Thank you, Paul. Pleasure to be on the show. And uh, hopefully, uh, Austin has finished his e-commerce and buying stuff online, uh, and he can join us too. How are you doing, sir? Oh, I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm trying to um, I'm trying to uh, assign payments. <laughs> oh, assign payments, not actually make assign payments. Payments, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pay yeah. me now. Oh, there we go. The exciting world of uh, everybody's um, paid on Visa card, and they do one transaction into your accounting package, and then you got to try and go across invoices. Yeah, exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. Well, there we go. Um, as uh, folks, I will be hopefully starting up an e-commerce business. That sort of thing could be an issue for me going forwards as well. But hey, look out, <laughs> folks, for um, children's stables. Yes, that's what I'll be I'll be making and selling. So look, look out for those online. Um, but uh, my weekend uh, has been uh, heading over to Waihe Rugby Club and uh, doing some videoing for them. But the rain, unfortunately, made for some uh, uh, less than attractive rugby, um, in all honesty. Uh, so, the wet, wet ball handling skills uh, do uh, really um, uh, doesn't help it, uh, does it? Let's be honest. And also, meant that I had to keep on trying to huddle and fight and keep the camera dry, which is a struggle. Um, but Stephen, how's your rugby weekend been? Oh, I've had a great rugby weekend. I've, because I'm, I'll be away next weekend at the Northern Rugby Union Centenary, I've uh, made a real effort to, to watch all the Super Rugby games. Um, I, I really, really don't know how. There are probably a couple of them that you. Probably, I probably needed to uh, have a have a coffee just to keep me up, but hey, that's that's been the uh, seems to be the direction of this competition. But I will say I really enjoyed um, uh, Auckland Club Rugby yesterday afternoon. It's a good year ties Auckland Club Rugby, Ponsonby and Grammar Tech, a couple of the heavyweights in the competition, and 
listen, they they put on a really impressive uh, display of, uh, of of club rugby and. Uh, Boy, the way those two teams played yesterday, they'd probably give a, a few Mod 10 Cup teams around the country a, a good crack. It was a really good quality of uh, of rugby and plenty of physicality. The um, and uh, yeah, but uh, and, and Ashman's weekend rugby has, has, has trumped both of us. So there's me, me, me uh, uh, being sort of filming club wet club rugby. Uh, you've got to, you, you've upped it with your with your grammar tech and Ponce being a bunch of. Uh, Super Rugby players in action there. And then Arsenal is actually out on the hollowed, hallowed turf, not hollowed turf, hollowed turf you'd fall through. The hallowed turf of Eden Park. You were, you're actually on the pitch to the, the, for the, uh, was, join, the join the yep. news game. I was, um, yeah, in my manager's function role, well, co- coaching role is um, for the McCaw under 10 restricted side as they ran out onto um, Eden Park to play in the curtain raises there for the uh, Blues Brumby game. And uh, that was actually against Grammar Tech. That they played so um oh fantastic experience for the boys they just loved it uh, you know yeah it's something that they'll um, some of those boys will never get to repeat so i said to them look you got one shot at this don't come off the pitch regretting uh, things that you didn't do and um they played the best game that they've ever played so it was fantastic and hopefully the blues scouts were there watching um deciding who to, <laughs> who, to who to put into the fast track through the uh, the academy structures structures for the for, for the for 10 years time <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely, and uh, yeah, it, it's sort of like a, an even even sort of a, a great moment because um, one a, another Ranchard ran down the sideline and scored in the corner. So, uh, yeah, had 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 a bit of fun there. And uh, as Aaron's alluded to there in the comments on Facebook, uh, um, also had a chat with the uh, referee on the field as well. <laughs> <laughs> well the, the super referee or the referee of your of, of your team. The referee for our game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had a little bit of a farcical situation where he was calling lineouts not straight. It's like, but in our grade, we don't call not straight lineouts because you just throw it to the first guy at the front and he gives it to the halfback, and that everything stops until the halfback passes because nobody moves until the pass halfback passes. So in no, in, in no matches ever have we ever d- thrown a ball in straight, <laughs> and, and my boys are getting confused. It's like, um. He's calling us for not straight. <laughs> don't, don't don't worry. There's been some calls this weekend that you leave getting going. That's not how it's normally called. Anyway, so we'll, we'll, get, on, we'll get on to that later. Um, so uh, we kicked off on the week uh, for the weekend though with the um, Hurricanes versus the Force. The Force jumping out to a massive six 0 lead, um, and uh, to uh, there before. Uh, well, basically, the, the Hurricanes went to work. Look, I think mean, uh, you could clearly see in this, even in the opening moments here, that the how the Hurricanes had done their homework with this one. Um, one of their clearance kicks was uh, more of a crossfield kick because they knew that uh, the Force were playing two in the backfield, not three. Now that's something that uh, Dave Coney is used to doing for Ireland and has worked really well for Ireland. But um, they uh, got caught out. Uh, in this situation, but uh, Lavapi's kick forward went dead. So you've got to say that some, yeah, some some good, uh, yeah, I mean, good reading, uh, tactical analysis of the teams uh, that, that that was happening there in that one. Um, the um, I mean, look, we, we've still got the dumb advancing in front of the kick. I mean, referees been told to, to look out for this. Players know referees looking out for this, and they still keep doing it. Um, and you just got to say, come on, guys, you're supposed to be professional players. When I, you are professional players, get with the program. You know what's going to happen. Just wait 
until someone runs past you. But you're still seeing it in every game. Arsenal and Stephen, what's going on? I have slow learners. Yeah, That's all just, you can say. Yeah, just, just, just not, just not picking it up. I, I, I guess it's, <clears throat> I guess it's something that, that I, I don't think it's going to go away necessarily. I think players, I think they just push the push the boundaries and hope, hope sometimes that the referee's got so much to watch that he might miss it. But you know what? You've got to realise he does get calls from the uh, from the touch judges. Touchy. Listen, listen on, on, on saying that it, it also happens at, at kickoffs and. We saw an example, and we'll get to that game because it happened in the very last game this <laughs> evening, where a player had a shot at goal, and and uh, one of his own players was clearly in front of the the, the kick at goal. So there's a lot being missed. Well, the the other thing is, that I suppose you know we, we say they're slow to learn, but the other thing is that you know when does a referee decide that he's going to penalise them versus just saying them, telling them to stop, 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 and not penalise them, right? So the game that we're referring to, the last game of the match. He penalised the player earlier in the game for advancing. Um, and then I quite clearly remember, this is like, I think it was a Highlanders kick. And, and the players, and he's telling him, seven, two, stop, stop, stop. Three times, it's like, well, hey, if you're only going to get told to stop sometimes and sometimes you're going to get penalised, you, are you going to carry on taking the chance? Possibly. The well, referee I, has to get consistent as well, doesn't he? He's either going to have to call it every time or not. Or not. Yeah, maybe. Uh, well, look, they're, they're all wear GPS trackers behind their, behind their shoulder blades. We should be able to just track and go, okay, press a button, 15 kicks. Anyone in mm. front of that whose GPS unit is moving forwards, ping, gone. Um, well, and that would soon sort things out. Yeah, I mean, we, you know, we'll, we'll, again, and we'll talk about this and the impact of it on the game, but, you know, players in front of the kickers, can hurt your team big time, can't they? And it did in the last game of the round. Okay, well, um, I'll be honest. The last game of the round is yeah. one I haven't seen. So here we are. Yeah. Here I am throwing out tidbits for, for a game that's uh, uh, in wrong order. Perhaps I, sh I should have been uh, throwing these out later. But anyway, um, <laughs> look, the force, I mean, their own, end, own worst enemies here, I say they got caught in front of the kickers. Um, they um, Now, they defend, defended that well, but then they overthrow. Um, Amua catches it and um, off he goes to the racers. Uh, and that's exactly why he was taken on the All Blacks tour a couple of years ago. Um, really looks like he's sorted out his uh, issues around weight and around fitness, which he had um, there, uh, which is great to see. Uh, and uh, wonderful uh, turn of pace uh, and uh, awareness of to to to, uh, to run it in from the halfway line. He's a bit of a dilemma, really, if you think about it. He's he's such a, a fireball with, with with ball in hand. Also, we know he can put in a big shot as a defender but you know at international rugby it's all about doing your basics well and 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 if you've got that extra size at, at, at scrum time I, I i sense that's why somebody like liam Cotman is has always been in the frame not always the most accurate when it comes to line out and throwing but is such a good good scrummager and a good competitor over the ball so he's got two or three tricks in his kit at the moment geared for international rugby uh, just with Amor, yeah we know what he can do but he's you know, I think at the stage of his career, he's still clearly behind uh, Coles and Taylor, in in my opinion. But boy, he's a hell of a dynamic. If he can, probably next year, I think will be a, a year for a more where if he's to make a real serious play at being an All Black hooker, I think he has to at least position himself in front of Dane Coles. Well, I think it might be a post rugby World Cup thing. Thinking about the uh, the timing and, and age of these sort of players. Um, you've got to think about the number of injuries that Dane Coles has had 
uh, and uh, clearly the All Blacks need some depth behind him because that's why he's not uh, he's not guaranteed to be there for the next two years, um, which is which could be uh, to a Moore's benefit um, as well. I'll, sh- I'll just quickly on saying that Kevin Mialami was not a big hooker either, but boy, he um, he worked overtime. But Kevin ball of energy was a ball of energy and a very good scrummager, and I, I just suspect with more. I think he needs a little bit more work on his scrummaging. Hey, how about the irony of this, though? Eh? I mean, like, where would uh, Asafa Amua be today if he hadn't have discovered one of the sponsors of Super Rugby and KFC? You know, because that, that's basically, you know, he, he went on that All Blacks end of year tour, probably as a sort of more as an apprentice on the tour. But then he, dis- then he discovered that the KFC came back, ballooned out, didn't do the work off the field, and you know, and he's and he's there languished for what two years? He'd, he'd probably just be leaving KFC right now, <laughs> having just finished a Sunday evening dinner. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, it's like you know, if that's a good adver- advertisement for players, it's just like you can't, you can't put your guard down. You you can't um, uh, think, oh yeah. I'm there. I'm I'm a great player, and I'm just going to be an all. I'm just an all black and waiting. No, nobody's an all black and waiting. You got to carry on doing the work. Yeah, can't take things for granted. The, the comments you're making there about KFC shows why there are there are certain people, certain players have said, look, we do not want to be promoting KFC because look, we know the harm it does to our community, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and why KFC is very has been very um, conscious with all its advertising with Super Rugby players. You'll never actually see any KFC food. You'll see a bucket. Uh, apart from so, so you'll get you'll see the lady from the Waikato who who gets the bucket to eat <laughs> instead of the players. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they, 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 year, they, of, they, uh, year or whatever it was. But you'll, you'll, yeah, you'll, 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 there's just nearly all the adverts involve them using the buckets to create some arts and crafts thing that it, than actually having any food in it, which I think is uh, yeah, which is part of that. Um, the um, Simon says, "Yes, yeah, stop, stop slandering KFC. They're an important sponsor to the competition." Oh no, look, you know, and that's a fair, you know, in seriousness, that's actually a fair point because it's like, you know, at the end of the day, we've had many conversations about where's the money come from to run our competition. So uh, at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to sort of like say, "Hey, thanks KFC as well." On one hand, um, yeah, they're, they're there and providing the money that allows us to keep those players in New Zealand rugby as well, or helps us anyway. Uh, and I'll look, our morals do not uh, uh, do not preclude us having a bucket of KFC each um, for every show, and uh, and seeing us eating it on the shows if we were sponsored. I'll be honest. <laughs> if we were sponsored by KFC. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, look, I mean, back to the game on on um, uh, on on Friday night. But you know, you, we, we talk about the force, and we talk about that lineout that um, went wrong. The, the six nil up lineout goes wrong, and then it's seven nil, uh, seven six. Sorry, and um, really the lineouts basically. Were it that was it that sort of summed up the game for the force. They couldn't buy a line out and really couldn't build anything because they kept losing their line out. They had plenty of op- plenty of line outs, their throw ins, but they just stuffed every one of them. Uh, you tuned into yeah. our show on Friday night, didn't you? Oh, no, no, I didn't. No, I didn't. You know why I didn't? I actually fell asleep in the second half because <laughs> <laughs> that's because that's, that's exactly what we said. Listen, they got a, they got a ton of endeavor, but. There's just really no polish, and I, and I suppose the really scary thing for the for the Western Force, you know, the guys that are really propping them up are probably some of their veterans in in the team. And once and and once once again, another really 
good performance from Jeremy Thrashing. Right. You know, that's taken into account that he went off for an HIA, HIA as well. And also Richard Kahui, you know, just showed what a consummate professional he was, you know, chasing Rayasi um, after Rayasi took that intercept. Once again, that was another opportunity for the for the force to score. And they just absolutely panicked with a, a no-look pass out, in, out mm. into the midfield. And also that was probably one of Rob, that was probably Rob Kearney's best game for the for the Western Force as well. I thought he was pretty solid at the back, and I also liked uh, Koteka that, that, as, as sort of one of the younger guys coming through the number seven. I thought he was very good. Yeah, oh, I look, I, 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 Pulu also had, 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 some, had some flashes in that yeah. game as well. But at the end of the day, uh, the Force really struggled to get over the game line. Um, yep. And uh, it's all right, so yeah, Hurricanes' backs are very big and fast. When they get it right, yeah. it's hard to stop. True. Also, when they hit you, it's they'll stop you as well. Yeah. Which that's, that's, uh, that's it. But, but we've seen that all weekend, right? When when a, when a New Zealand Super Rugby team hits the other team, every, you know they just come up and hit them, and everything just stops. Um, and basically, the, the the Hurricanes basically had Caniston to just keep Thrush under control. Yeah. The um, oh, dear me. <laughs> Anyway, um, but so yeah, look, the not much, not not really much more to say about this one. The Hurricanes, um, if if they don't get dominated up front, uh, they tend to run riot, score some of the nicest mm-hmm. tries we've seen in in, in Super Rugby all year, uh, and uh, um, again, dominated this one to win forty three six in the end, um, forcing it for the first sort of ten minutes. Look again, two late tries, seventy three minutes, eighty one minutes. I think we're probably going to see um, in some of these games that. The uh, some of the teams do some of the Australian teams do struggle um, towards the end of the games and uh, look, looking at the age of that uh, uh, force team, uh, yeah, fitness going to be an issue at the latter stages. Moving on, then the um, Warriors, Warriors, no, the Waratahs versus the Crusaders. <laughs> Warriors versus Crusaders could be an interesting game. But anyway, the Waratahs <laughs> versus the Crusaders um, was that uh, was the, our first game on Saturday. Um, and uh, yeah, the Waratahs were in this for the first. Uh, um, for the, well, I, I, I kind of flippantly said they were in it for the first nine minutes, um, and then uh, and then the Crusaders scored. Uh, but um, look, they, they they were never in this one um, to win it. Let's be blunt. Um, it was uh, they, they they did well until they got the uh, and even even when they got the other card, actually, it was still only um, uh, so what six twelve during that yellow card piece, and then it sort of started to blow out. But um, he, uh, they, uh, again, they ran out of steam. Um, but this, this tar side is a lot better than it was uh, early on. And at least they were getting over the game line and creating stuff themselves after him. Yeah, look, I mean, I actually had this conversation um, last night. Uh, and and while we were, obviously, as we do talk a bit of fair bit of rugby, while we, while we were at the Blues game as well. But, and it's just like, you know, that Waratah side, um, they put lots of points on against the Canes. They put lots of points on against the Blues. And they put lots of points on against Crusaders. Yes, they got a very, very porous um, defence. <laughs> but at the end of the day, once they get the defensive patterns right, they're going to be a very dangerous side because their attack is obviously there and creates and scores some pretty good tries as well. Mm. Mm. I agree with you, Ashwin. I actually thought in <clears throat> both their midfielders are really quite good on their feet, uh, Fokiti and, and also Paresi. Who really, really impressed me? The kind of New Zealand style midfielder, very, very direct. Me run hard. If you don't tackle me, I'll run over you. Sort of thing. So he was, he was really good. Probably butchered a, a bit of an opportunity. He scored 
what would have been an absolutely brilliant try. But I actually thought they got a little bit of pay dirt when they moved uh, Harrison into first five. We saw some really poor kicking from from Donaldson, and you just can't turn over ball against the Crusaders. It was it was mentioned in the commentary. You know, real tidy, hard-working pack as well. That just seems to be finding its feet and probably no more than Dempsey in the number seven jersey, who I thought was probably uh, one of their better ones in the pack, but also really impressed with their uh, uh, their two props who got through a ton of work, uh, Johnson Holmes and Bell. I thought, yeah, they're a team on the rise, no question. Yeah, Donaldson spent too much time at the dairy and was obviously getting his kicking wrong. Hadn't been listed, hadn't been at the uh, the, the team meetings, um, clearly. Um, but um, yeah, it's, uh, so, so I thought it was Paul because of his kicking. Uh, there was a suggestion on Twitter that apparently he was grabbing his uh, his groin areas. Maybe he went off injured. Um, either way, uh, it, I think it was actually the, the right thing for him to go. Um, yeah, the Tars still lack composure, uh, and they were throwing passes that just weren't on. Uh, we had and um, and rushing passes. Uh, that meant they butchered a number of opportunities as well. The uh, Crusaders just don't do that. And even when they do replace both their centres, uh, because we had um, McLeod and uh, Fanganuku instead of Havili and uh, Braden Enor from last weekend, that they, they, they still have all their systems. They still all they, they can slot in. And sure, perhaps it took a while to get going, but that's also an element of tiring opposition. Um, but we didn't see sort of passes behind the backs and hitting the grass or anything like that. You can, they, they, they can switch up players who come in uh, and the systems and the processes still work, which is great to see, which is yeah, part of the thing. Um, sure, I mean, they lost um, uh, they lost a couple of uh, players to um, yellow cards late on. Um, Habili, uh, deliberate knock-on, very nearly a penalty try um, on that one. And um, Vela, uh, the um, replacement... Um, Hooker also going. So two replacements getting yellow card in the final, uh, well, final four minutes for the uh, Crusaders uh, when they're supposed to be the, the the fresh legs that are supposed to come on and help help you in the, the closing moments. So not a good job by those two, but never mind. Uh, these things kind of happen, and um, it was all over by that stage anyway. Uh, Twenty eight to two or fifty four, but it was good to see that uh, the Waratahs played right up until the the final buzzer, scoring that late uh, late try and didn't give up at any stage, even though they were. A long way behind and definitely out of the game. Yeah, well, well deserved. Uh, you know, um, plenty of endeavour, plenty of effort, and probably more exemplified by probably their uh, their halfback um, Gordon, who's he's actually a really good player. Um, he went he went really well and and, and just mm. kept kept driving them driving them forward. But uh, you know, I think one of the other things that really killed them was the Crusaders. Not just their accuracy of pass, but just their offloading. They just seemed to get yeah. offloads. All the way, even Matelli out on the wing just seemed to be an offload magnet. And you know, once you're getting when you're getting offloads and, and your support is of the caliber of of um, of the uh, Will Jordan, and you've got Richie Moanga running running around, just playing some blooming unbelievable rugby at the moment. He's he's got it. He's got. He seems to have everything on a string at at the minute. They're just yeah, they're just playing good rugby. Their structures are really really good. They know what they're doing. They actually, when you kick ball away to them, they just seem to know which side of the field to attack, and they move, they spread the ball quickly and accurately, and and that's a real big part or key to their attack. Hey, what's going to be interesting to see? Look, we, we've seen. I think a lot of people said that the Crusaders played the best game of the year against the Reds last weekend. Again, we're, we're, we're wax, waxing lyrical about them this weekend, but the end, we know this, the Waratahs' defense isn't great. It'll be interesting come finals time. 
if what we're seeing is, is are we seeing an improved Crusaders performance because of a uh, softer defence? Uh, and will we see a re 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 reversion back to how we saw them playing in Super Rugby um, Altera? Or will we see that actually they have stepped up their game as they've had more game time together and are clicking much better? Well, it'll be interesting to see how that uh, pans out because, uh, sure, the Crusaders aren't in the top two at the moment, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if they are come come the end of the year, uh, come, come, come two weeks' time. Uh, and oh, it's, look. Well, it's all going to come down to bonus points, isn't it? I mean, like, um, as long as the Blues and the Hurricanes keep winning, and um, you know they've got, probably got the Blues have got their hardest game against the Reds next week. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's not again, and it's not bonus points, Paul. Well, I'm going to say I, I, I don't think the Hurricanes will go through undefeated, so I think they'll lose a game. Oh, right. Um, okay. So, who, hey. who do you think? Okay, I, I suppose a good. I don't know because when you when look after this weekend's rugby, um, if if you were going to pick an upset this weekend where an Australian team was going to win, you would have thought it was the Brumbies versus the Blues. Um, the reason being is the fact is that, you know, the Brumbies having the forward pack to be able to sort of like um, control the ball, not necessarily match the, the, the grunt of the Blues up front, but to control the ball. And um, they, they got they got smashed, basically. You know, really, they were never in that game. They were lucky to get the try. But well, they're um, going racing ahead as we always, or I the, do anyway. Yeah, yeah. There was a bit. <laughs> so, 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 so anyway, the Crusaders got got the expected winning against the Warriors. I'm not sure there's anything else we want to say about that. And as, as Australia has moved on to the next game, yeah. Um, look, the uh, essentially you, you're quite right. This this game, I mean, Steve and I did a post match reactions to this one um, last night. Uh, we went into a bit more detail because I think we're, we're going to go through this one pretty quickly because I think Australia's pretty much summed it up already. Is that uh, this was eight man rugby by the Blues, uh, and those eight men. Beat the uh, the Brumbies eight men uh, up up front and hugely. Uh, and whilst whilst we've got the backs with, I mean, the, the tries were through kind of like uh, him, AJ Lamb, TJ Fiani. All of those tries were earned by the forwards, not by the backs. Um, and so we've still got a dysfunctional back line behind that blue scrum. But that blue scrum was just so powerful, both yeah, in scrummaging and other times to, to to win the game. I was just going to say, but I mean, like, it, to, to be fair, it's just like, you know, the the difference, there was a slight difference in the Blues' back line, and the fact is that um, they actually did score some tries. Uh, you know, they, they took advantage of that dominance. They should have taken more advantage of that dominance, but there was so, there was some elements where they finally, I mean, I, I think um, having Zahn Sullivan from the back is actually, and, and as he gets grows in that position, that's going to help them actually Get a rather dysfunctional backline functional. Um, the, the, the fact of his um, utilizing with exit plays with his boot that he's got, um, and just some of the touches that he showed, um, and he sort of almost he was almost like the um, the experienced head there at times from what you could see from the west end with some of the what are the, the option take uh, options he took. Look, I mean, I think the uh, the. I say it's obvious Sullivan is playing really well, and it's fitting well at this level. Absolutely. Uh, if we look at these the, the, the tries they scored, though, we had um, a line out more. Eckland goes in. We had the Rico break, which okay, look, that's a backline move with with the backline try, uh, giving it to, to Christie. We've but then Paul, got Paul. I was going to say, even that try actually came off a of Blues era. Patrick Tupulotu failing to take the kick off. It, it, to be honest, it looked like something out of Keystone Cops. It turns into something of of, of beauty, um, yeah, it, it, it was. It, it was it no, but was what, what I'm saying, the, the other four tries, the, we've got line, we've got five meter line at more. We've got um, 
Heem's one, which was um, basically it was being bashed at the line and eventually comes out to Heem. Um, AJ Lamb's one, again, bashing away at the line, eventually comes out to the backs to score. Um, the 71 minute one was a five meter line out, five, five meter scrum. All those ones are from no distance out uh, because the Fords have already got the ball there and have done uh, and have sucked in all the defenders. Um, yeah. the, the only one that was from some distance out was the Rico one, uh, which shows, yeah, some, some sort of one, back, back one, thing. One, one thing I will say about the, the AJ Lamb try, there was a, a deaf little bit of creativity in there because the pass was actually flicked, flicked up, on. Was, was, mm. was basically flicked up and it actually had done enough to draw those two defenders because originally when I looked at it, I thought to myself, will I look at that again? But when I actually looked at the play again, it was a nice bit of bit of bit of deception there. So, you know, that's a, to be honest, that's the sort of stuff I'm I'm looking for for the blues. But there were times where it was really disappointed. There was a uh, there was a uh, there was a turnover. They were under advantage on the twenty two. They had numbers and somebody decided it might have been black through a big wide pass which hit the hit the grass and skidded over the over the touchline. And I'm thinking to myself, really, this is the perfect opportunity. You didn't have to hurry this. This was a, a perfect opportunity. You were given a free play to set something up if you've got a move in your kit to use. But just to sling a pass out there is almost like, you know what? I'll sling it out to Rico oh, look. And, see, and see what he can do. Yep, there was there was a couple of other opportunity uh, times as well, not opportunities, but a couple of times this is like they're about five meters away from their lines, and there's um they're going down and they're tackling, they throw a really stupid speculator instead of actually securing the ball, and you know you're expecting a, a player in support to pick up something around his ankles, um you know under pressure, and it's just like it's just a stupid option. So um, yeah, there's still work ons there, but I, I just sort of think with some of the pieces of the puzzle maybe this uh, and then you got to think you know with um Bowden Barrett back next year when we and we did see that the the back line did function with him at first five you start to get some of the pieces of puzzle happening this year and it'll help for the, the future and so the but to go into your point though about how this is the expected upset and how you how you're sort of like mm. saying okay the Brumbies therefore may not up, or uh, aren't now expected to upset the Hurricanes the thing is here is they got beaten up up front. The Hurricanes will not beat them up up front. They are out physically. The Brumbies should have been should have been leading at halftime. They this point they weren't, and then basically they were out physical in the second half. Yep. But the problem is when the Hurricanes come to play the Brumbies, you got to remember they razzle dazzle. You, you alluded to the fact that you know at the end of the day you could probably go to the end of all Super Rugby this year, and the top five tries will all be Hurricanes game uh, tries because they have absolutely put on some absolute stunners this year. And and when you look, they'll they'll do it again, they'll do it again. And it's just like that Brumbies side, they've lost some key players. You know, you look at the Samus that aren't there, and you know through injury and the like. So they're not the side that were competing um, towards the back end of um, Super Rugby Gold. So, um, you know, I, I'm sort of, I, I, after this weekend, I'm sort of thinking, geez, that, I, I think the Brumbies are shot. We've seen two weekends in a row where they've basically had 40 points or near enough 40 points put on them two weeks in a row. They seem, they if they're, if they're rolling more is not working, they got nothing. Listen, tough. To, uh, to be fair, they, they have got their next two games. They, they played away to the top three teams, Super Rugby, um, Altura. The next two games are at home oh. uh, against the um, first up against Hurricanes, and then they've got the Highlanders at home. So they've got, in theory, the two weaker teams at yep. home in the next two weeks. So we'll, we'll I, I, I was about to say, guys, I think they're bashed up as 
<clears throat> as well. If you think about mm. it, they played that final against the Reds, which was a, a <clears throat> tough tonk contest. They had to jump on a plane, go and play the Crusaders. They lifted for the, the, the Crusaders. And it's fair to say the Crusaders were probably still basically softened up by, the, by even their final they had played the week before. And then they just dropped their bundle <clears throat> against the Chiefs. And I actually thought at the 35th minute, they were right in that game. They got in the game. Mm. And, you know, if they could have their time again, they'd probably be hoping that Patrick Tuipoloto takes that <laughs> takes that line-out, <laughs> line-out kick-off. They, they kick it at the touch and they almost go to half-time with the lead. And I reckon that try just pricked their, bo- their bubble a wee bit because it just it just came out of nowhere. And I don't think they came back out for the second half. End of story. To be fair to the Blues... They actually lifted because I actually thought the reason I actually thought they were a chance in that game because the Blues lineout was so dysfunctional in that first half. Workers. I thought, oh, I thought, I thought, I thought, I thought if the Brumbies can control position and just put pressure pressure on, add pressure, they wouldn't have to play too much rugby. They get some kicks to the corner. I actually thought the Blues would fold. But credit to the Blues, they came out in the in the second half. And they lifted their effort. And once again, probably an, an injury to, to Josh Goodyear, who was having a good game, making a lot of tackles. All of a sudden, he gets a Brumbies player step on his foot. Patrick Tuipoloto comes on and adds some more physicality. So basically, they keep the, they keep the ball away from lineouts and they keep playing through the middle. And all of a sudden, unfortunately for the Brumbies, they've got to get back into, a, into a, an arm wrestle. And that was, to me, one of the real key, key pivotal turnarounds. And in, in that second half, the, 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 it was seventy-five percent territory to the Blues. I mean, the, the Brumbies just played on defence in their yeah. own half the whole, whole game. It's great when half. you're sitting in the West End because it's right in front of us. <laughs> do, do the Canes play the Brumbies next week? Yes. Yeah. Well, see, that's the thing is that they've been softened up so much. It's just like as you said, it's been four physical games in a row. We talk about World Cups, and you know. Three games that, or yeah, you have to those those last games where you're playing um, week after week, and you know the intensity. They've played three hard games, or four, sorry, four hard games yeah. on the bounce, yeah. on the who, bounce. Who, who, whoever, whoever worked out this draw for them? <laughs> no, no friends no, there. No friend <laughs> favors whatsoever. Seriously, <laughs> if, if oh, that was well, one well, of their friends, they don't want any enemies. We say from the start this 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 uh, this the draw. Has been anti-Australian, to be honest. Um, the Brumbies oh, and the Reds. Yeah. What, what are you Brumbies trying to get a free? You trying to get a free trip to Melbourne or something? <laughs> <laughs> Not Melbourne, no, I'll get locked down there. You could probably Anywhere get a free else, trip to Melbourne, Melbourne at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, interesting one there again. Uh, so, thinking of. Um, Potential uh, uh, sort of wins or or, or games that uh, may go. Uh, the the uh, Blues travel to the Reds, who are obviously coming off the back of a win, um, and uh, well, both of them on a short turnaround uh, to a Friday night next week. Uh, the um, so those are the two uh, the, the the two I would think are potential Australian wins next week. Weekend after that, um, we've got uh, the uh, Reds travelling to the Hurricanes. Um, are the Hurricanes playing all their games at home. Pretty much, it sounds like it. Anyway, never mind. No, that's, uh, they're away to Waratahs, weren't they? In the opening game, um, uh, and uh, and I so say the Brumbies hosting the uh, the Highlanders uh, there in that one. So those, those are those are the potential ones I would see as being uh, ones that could go that way. So we've got through the first three games. 
we've had five cards and we've not really talked about the cards, which is good. That's why I see. Paul, I was going to say it'd be really remiss of us not to mention a couple of players who I, I thought had really, really good games. And Dalton Papali just did not drop his standards for the whole 80 minutes. I thought I thought he was accurate. Um, probably from Tom Robinson, a, a little more, more of a quieter game. But what I do like from Tom Robinson, boy, his cleanouts are so accurate. And I, I thought one of the things that the Blues did, did really, really well in that game was protecting their position. Not as many turnovers for the for the Brumbies as, as there was for the Blues, which means they were getting numbers to the breakdown. So it was really quite pleasing in that respect. And and I've got to be honest, Bryce Hem, who I thought mm, was that a good decision to to pick him. You listen, he's, he's probably building. He, yeah, he's turned out to be a bit of a bit of a a, a win a win there a for Kenny, the Blues. Kenny pick up. Yeah, yeah, ex- exactly. And um, and of course, be remiss of us not to. To uh, mention the, the little redhead that was running away from the sun looking for shade, uh, Finlay, Finlay Christie. Um, just uh, a, a really, really good game. Okay, if you're gonna if you're gonna make him your number one half pick, leave leave him there for crying out loud. Um, from what I believe, Sam Knock had an injury, and that's why he was out of the match day uh, uh, 23. But you know, somewhere along the lines, you know, Blues Blues selectors or coaches make a freaking decision and. Go on one of the one of those two players as your number one half because it's either Knock or Christie in my opinion. Well, it's not Ruru. <clears throat> no, no. But um, yeah, it's just like you know, just on uh, Tom Robinson actually. As you say, he, you know, it's funny because we we're going to say a bit of a quiet game from him, but he still had a pretty good game. But on his stand, it's a bit of a quiet game. But you know what? What he's bringing to that is the his conversations, and that's noticeable. You won't see it on camera. Um, but when you're at the ground, you'll see that his conversations with the referee. Um, he's he's having good. You can see that he's having good discussions with the referee. Um, obviously, he's not going to get his way every time or anything. But obviously, we've had a problem at the Blues for many years, and the captains that just don't have an ability to um, have that relationship with the referee on the field. And Tom Robinson seems to be able to um, bridge that, and he seems to be having good relationships with the referee. Question: Do we do we keep Tom Robinson as the skipper, even though Patrick Tuipulotu Patrick. is back? Well, I, I wouldn't be surprised. Well, as unfortunate with Goodhue's injury, right? We don't know how bad that is, but I, I could see if um, if we had Goodhue available, uh, that Tuipulotu would probably come off the bench again next week as part of his comeback um, into the game. Um, yeah, so it'll be interesting. So that, that, that could have been you know an easy one there, that Tom Robinson stays as the captain because Patrick's coming off the bench. Um yeah, that's going to be an interesting one for the coaching staff, isn't it? This is like, mm. do they keep Robinson there? Do they say, hey, look, Patrick, we just want you to go out there and play the game, and you're still the All Black, you're still the um, the the cool head in the group that needs that that's still there. I mean, you know, we, we've seen it with the Crusaders. You know, just because just because you've got a captain in the Crusaders forward pack doesn't mean that the other eight or uh, other seven All Blacks don't have a something to say of value, right? So um, it's. Uh, it's <laughs> well, then you look at the seven forwards of the, of the eight. The eight, the eight guy being told by seven players, This is what you have to do by the other seven, by the other seven all blacks. It's like, Okay, I'll be <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's just like, um, yeah, I, I think, um, 
uh it's it's the fact is that you, you still provide input just because you're not the captain if you're an all black and, you, and he's racked up a few games for the all blacks now so he's not just a you know a fly by all black fly by night all black sort of thing he's still you know it puts an immense amount that he needs to say in those huddles and um just to Steph, stefan um as i think Stephen alluded to it but it's actually in one of the very few communications that comes out of the blues rugby in terms of um the select team selections um, Sam Nock is actually injured at the moment. So he's down on there when it comes out. He's down as being injured. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Um, and yeah, look, I think as you, you mentioned there, Tom, I mean, his post-match interview as well, you say it had a bit of laughter. He held, he had, he's, he's someone the the that he's clearly comfortable talking to the media um you say it, it looks like he's comfortable talking to the referees as well uh from from all the body language that we see that we can see from where we're stood where stood uh that, and he's not being told by the referee on the referees might go away i'm not talking to you as some players <laughs> yeah, which we've heard in the um, past <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah look it's uh clearly a role that uh that so i one of the things that england used to have in 2003 was that uh, martin johnson was not the person who talked to the referee um, the uh, the the scrum half was the designated designated yeah, referee chat chatter. Just, oh God, what's the what's the guy's name? I'm trying to think of it. Not Austin Healy. Um, Austin Healy. I want to say Austin no, Healy. He's just like saying Austin Healy because yeah. Well, he's got he's got <laughs> to say, isn't he? He's got a lot. He has. Of course, he, he was the one that kind of that kind of brings my. But um, it's yeah. Uh, yeah he was one hero. of them. But but the idea was that he was the guy that could that, that had the the banter to talk to the referee in a good way. Yeah. Uh, Martin Johnson was not. Yeah, he, <laughs> so well, that he, might well, be a good way. Well, well, Austin Healy was talking to the referee, the Times, the Observer, <laughs> the Independent. <laughs> yeah, all at the same yeah, time. Real, real, real good team man, eh? Yeah. <laughs> And, and you can throw Matt Dawson into that lot as well. Sorry, not a yeah. Fair. So yeah, not Matt Dawson fair. and Austin Healy were basically were designated to, to be the guy who talks referee and handles referee. Whereas, uh, so yeah, so that might be a good a good, a good move for them as well. Um, so as as I as, as I was leading into the Reds Chiefs game, we've got through the first three games with four with with with, um, with five yet yeah, five yellow cards, and we haven't discussed any of them in particular. Really, uh, oh well, they I mean, happened, and we I, I think we when you. They're pretty obvious, I think. You know, I mean, yeah. the one that the one that from the Blues game, that continual infringing, um, right in front of the sticks. Oh, yeah, been so warned. Yeah. Well, and, yeah. the, the, they, they were all, and it was absolutely fine with them. No issues. Yep. No discussion. And then we get the Reds Chiefs game. Right then, card discussions. Here we go. Um. <laughs> well, what's to discuss? 
again, I mean, uh, Steve's obviously, I don't know, Steve's dragging his shoulders and I'm not sure he'll work, but uh, correct decisions on the two of the Chiefs cards. That's what the rules are these days. Yeah, I thought it was a card, but a yellow a yellow card. And I had a couple of mates send me texts and say, oh, maybe yellow yellow card. That probably pretty much sums up our game. That everybody sees this in, in a different light. I realise there's a frame there's a framework that they've got to run with, and the referees are running with the frame. And under the framework, yeah, it's it's it's, ab, it's but, but, so we're talking about you're talking about Dmax card. You're talking about Dmax yeah, card. card. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But but under, the thing under, is that. But but I, I think the people that are saying that oh maybe just the yellow really are sort of um, they're they're trying to avoid red cards. They're, they're sort of oh let's not ruin our game by having red cards because the reality is when you look at that you could probably use that in a referee's training conference to say here is a red card situation. The player jumps up into the attacking player leading with his shoulder and makes contact direct contact with the head what is to mitigate i don't get what is to mitigate he actually jumps up to make contact to the head he's actually shorter than the man he's tackling so i don't understand how anybody can have that argument to say oh could have been a yellow the dude's jumping up to make contact with his head until and, until i saw a clip on 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 twitter which as you say Shows basically the arm. His his arm is down. He's not down. Yep. Um. He's as you say. He's going. He's, he's down to up motion. He's going upwards. Upwards. And then I looked at it and just went, "Why are we discussing this? Why this, are we this discussing is, this exactly? Yeah, um, it's just like it is a textbook. I mean, like, you know, I've, I've just read. He's he's made. He's jumped up to reach the head with his shoulder. <laughs> and I was like, I forgot to mention the part that he's got his arm by his side. So it's not even an emotion that's going to be there to wrap. Uh, looking at our, our live chat, Aaron says, yeah, nothing to discuss, can't work correct. Um, nocturnal rights, DMAC, bang to rights, fair cop, gov, under the rules. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, yo. Um, so those two, those two, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm happy with. Then we had the one in the second half to the, um, which was the, uh, to, to the, uh, where, where the Reds, Reds player runs in, turns around to catch, and then the um, Chiefs player jumps up, uh, gets tipped uh, and uh, ends up landing sort of on the on the shoulder area, and the referee goes, "No penalty, nothing wrong with that at all." And I'm like, that, "What?" Now that's that's the one that's going to be confusing for viewers because the fact is, if you go on the um, protocols, that's actually a card. Um, well, but, but the player, and I, I remember a tweet. I mean, from you put the tweet out there. That's a red, yellow card, red card, and somebody says, "Well." If if the player jumping for the ball in the air isn't there, it actually lands in his arms. It would. They would have, the ball would have landed in his arms. Even though he's on the ground, yeah. he's turned around, the ball would land in his arms. So I think that's that's an interesting one because I could imagine viewers that won't know what the protocols are would say, Hey, what's wrong with that? He would have caught the ball. Well, okay, so so the, the protocols are you have to be in a position to catch the ball. Right? Well he was. And the referee's arguing that he was. Now, yeah. which, okay, yes, he was, but every single way that's been called for the past five or six years has yep. been, if you are not at the same height as the other player, you are not in a, um, you are not in a uh, position to challenge for the ball, and therefore yep. you were in the wrong. He was not at the same height, therefore to, he was in the wrong. Now, to, to be fair, um, I think this year I have seen calls made where 
they have sort of basically said, um, okay, both players were competing for the ball. And you could say in that situation, both players were competing for the ball. One was jumping in the air, one was on the ground. But they were, as I said, look, you can't deny the fact that if he's, if the if the player that got tipped over isn't there, the ball lands in the guy on the ground's arms. Yep, yeah, but I would say it, it just to, to me, it was um, I, I get that, and, I, and if you're going to call it that way, I I, I understand. But to, uh, and and there, what you're suggesting really is that the jumper has put himself in a dangerous situation. Now, the whereas the 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 way that it's been it's been ruled up until now has been that the jumper shouldn't have to worry about anybody being there. He should be he should he should be allowed to jump anyway, uh, and expect and expect there to be a, an, an empty space. That's how it has been called up until now, right? Essentially, basic... I think that's un that's unfair because then you're basically just taking out the competition for the defending side or the guys side on the ground. Maybe the oh, rule should be. Maybe you're, you need to look at the rule. You're not yep, allowed to maybe... have the ball on the ground. You have to yep. jump for it. Is effectively yep. is, is how well, it's maybe been maybe for five but, years. okay. If if we if we're that worried about safety, maybe we turn that on its head and say you cannot jump for the ball. You have to compete yep. for the ball on the ground. That has been one of the suggestions. Yeah, but, uh, so obviously, uh, obviously, uh, lineouts are a different thing, but um, yeah. So yeah, I, I can I can understand where the referees come from, but it's to me it's an interpretation that is different to how it's been done for the past six years, which is what which is what which, which is what grinds my gears. Um, what grinds your gears? <laughs> I just told you. Um, the, um, so um, now. Um, Despite that, this, whatever you decide or whatever your thoughts are around the DMAC card, essentially the Chiefs totally lost in lost their in, or lost their shit, um, shit. for that for, for, for for that twenty minutes um, up to half time, allowing three tries in there. The broadcasting standards. <laughs> yeah. I'm, 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 I'm trying to think of how, how do I phrase it? Uh, they lost. Yeah, look, they totally lost their composure. Um, that's it. Yeah. That's all. They, 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 they were they. All their systems just went out the window, and three tries were scored against them, and they just, and they looked clueless for for, for that period. Yeah. Now, at half time, clearly they they the, the the coaches managed to regroup them, but they really just that that, that um yeah showed a lack of uh, a lack of leadership out on the pitch. But oh. in saying that, in saying that, I think the one that really bit them in the bum was the last uh, Reds try hmm. when yeah. I mean, so yeah, they lost their composure. Yes, they lost their excrement. But at the end of the day, I think it was more the case of you know, yeah, they, they got away on them. And that, and funny enough, um, in 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 Brisbane, that seems to happen to um visiting teams sometimes, doesn't it? It's just like the grounds are hard, fast, and you, you're not you're just that little bit off the pace, and the Reds can take advantage of it. Yeah. Well, now, you know, I was going to say. Oh, sorry. I was going to say. Um, See, I've, I forgot what I was going to say now because you interrupted me. So, look, the Chiefs came back into it, but look, the Reds missing 50 tackles in this game. 5-0. That is absolutely nuts. Um, that's, uh, and, and allowing the Chiefs to come back in. Look, the Chiefs gave up 19 turnovers, um, but uh, allowed 21 clean line breaks. Uh, that only led to five tries, amazingly. Um but um, but the blue but the reds also allowed fourteen clean line breaks and missed fifty tackles five zero that is nuts. In, I was going to be able to say the biggest disappointment for me is when they lost Tia Tia. That was at the sixteenth minute. 
Yep. Then they lost. <clears throat> excuse me. Then they lost. Um, Dmac. Uh, Dmac. A couple of minutes later, when the when the try try was scored, and that was probably a by, that was a byproduct. That was a byproduct. Oh hi, Paul. How are you too? Um, no, five by, five minutes later, literally. So that, sixteen that minutes was, and twenty-one minutes were the two was, try, were the that, two cards. That that was virtually a, a byproduct. That's that try. Whilst it was a card, that was a byproduct of not having a, a fullback in the in the line, not not being there. But it was a it was a great listen. We shouldn't forget. It was a hell of a ball from McDermott to get away to hit a, hit a hit a guy on a straight line, and then that's where the Chiefs should have just pulled themselves in and said, "Hey, we need to manage this for another how many minutes? Five minutes? Five, five minutes or so? Mm. We need to manage this for another five minutes until Tia Tia gets back on the paddock." And to me, that was a real disappointing thing. That's where they lost their composure because they got down inside the twenty-two straight away. They give away a penalty. Um, I think it was Jacobson maybe gives away a, a needless penalty. Kick it out. Win the line out. Slow the game down. Um, from what I believe, a lot of these professional teams, actually, they play for this sort of stuff, for being down to sometimes 14 or 30 mm. men. And that, mm. to me, was the, the, the real biggest disappointment. They, they, they didn't manage their way through that next X amount of minutes because even though there was a red card, you were getting a you were getting a man back what two three minutes into the second half you were back to your full full fifteen and if they had managed themselves even out of the thirteen 20, the five minutes 20, twenty or thirty percent better mm. they would have looked went into that second second half again well you know what no real damage we're, we're down by maybe a try or two but we're still well and truly in in, in this game. And whilst the Reds missed fifty odd tackles, I just thought that the Chiefs had just left themselves far too much to do. And at the oh, absolutely! End the fact the they got within a score and a knock on was the was was what stopped them from from winning the game. Oh. Potentially, um, is is amazing. They got the from thirty three three down. Close. They got back being thirty points down. Oh. That's an impressive comeback from them. Uh, the Reds uh, and not so much. Yes, the the Reds subs didn't add much to their team. Um, which yeah I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm not sure about. I think they took it took it away from their team. Never mind, they're not adding. Um, but they really, yeah, they, they they should not have allowed you, the, the Chiefs to get that close. If you were listening to the commentators, you would have thought the Reds were world beaters um, during that period. Just yep. just just before Did, halftime, it was almost like they were playing fifteen on fifteen. But to be honest, all they were doing was was basically taking advantage of having. Having a, you know, if you look at the tries, they were able to get on the outside of, outside of the Chiefs, and this is where the Chiefs defensively just actually lost their uh, composure. I won't use your word, Paul. In terms of keeping, you still got to keep that chain, and they weren't keeping that chain in defence. And if it meant, it meant that you need one of your loose forwards defending a little bit wider, then so be it. Um. So yeah, so the Reds just come. Up, uh, sorry, the Chiefs just come up short. Uh, in that one, um, which uh, now, and you're talking about there about uh, about about coaching. Look, nine. We had nine cards in the t in the five games this weekend, which basically means every team had at least one card on average. If you're not coaching your team to handle being down to fourteen and thirteen men, then you're not doing your job. They, uh, and yep. people go, oh, it's, it's surprising. They 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 train to be down to fourteen men. Of course you do. Of course you do, because <laughs> it's a cynical game. 
Um, well, one thing we also need to sort of um, highlight is the fact is that, and a little bit on uh, Twitter or Facebook, I can't remember, one of the social media platforms, is the fact is that the, 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 um, the, the Australian referees are uh, much quicker to penalise, much quicker to card than the New Zealand ones are. And that's probably to the detriment of the New Zealand sides um, because you could tell New Zealand fans were like, if the DMAC situation was in New Zealand with the New Zealand ref, probably right. He probably would have got a yellow card, if anything. So, um, you know, that's what's happened. How many times have we been watching um, Super Rugby in New Zealand and um, and we was like between two New Zealand teams, New Zealand refs, and they go, oh, that's a red card. There's direct force to the head, blah, blah, blah. And this is like, wow, they didn't even give a penalty. <laughs> Yeah, that, 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 was, that, that was in our that was in our Facebook chat uh, because yeah, I put in there yeah that if, if if that was a yeah if that was a if that was super Gatara, DMAC would have got yellow card and not red. Now red, red's yep. the correct decision. Don't get me wrong. Yes. I'm not trying to say it shouldn't have been red. Yep. Um, but but from no no basically, again, the New Zealand officials have been yep. bailing on not making the right right decision. Yeah, because no. because if you go back right back to the beginning when they did give cards out, everybody go, oh, they're giving out too many cards, and then all of a sudden the cards dropped off. Yeah, and it wasn't through players playing differently. No, not at all. <laughs> so that's us to the end of Saturday. We had one game yeah. today, which um, I'll be honest, I missed unfortunately because uh, and we all watched uh, I, I had, my, had my kids. Pardon? <laughs> and we all watched Jumanji. Uh, now I watched Jumanji um, and uh, I kept looking in on the score and I saw the Highlanders up 14-0 and I thought, hey, this game's over. Um, then, uh, But um, but no, apparently not. But the Reds got themselves back into this one. Um, so uh, could one of you uh, um, take us through this? Because I mean, the Reds were leading um, at, um, if I bring up the facts only, uh, I mean, the Reds were leading um, 15, sorry, the Rebels, not Reds, the Rebels were leading 15-14 just after half time. So uh, they managed to, to, to pull this one back from, uh, from being 14-0 down. Yeah, Paul, I was thinking the same thing back in 1999 when the All Blacks led France 27 <laughs> after, after a half an hour. I was thinking the same thing, mate. So, um, you know, sports, as we know, sport is 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 not like that. And, um, you know, credit, credit to the Rebels for for, for battling their, their way, back, way back into the game. Probably a little bit of ill-discipline from the, the Highlanders uh, kept crept in and, and, I, and it, gave, it gave the Rebels a little bit of field position that actually knocked on the door a few times without being accurate, but I think just on the back of a whole lot of penalties just just gave them the opportunity to place a little bit more pressure on the Highlanders. Austin, did you see this one? Any thoughts? Yeah, look, I mean, it's like what Nocturne was saying. The Highlanders are hot and cold. I think... Um, I think they were getting frustrated and that sort of like, um, I think it was pretty much at the end of the game with about two minutes left on the clock. And Aaron Smith, actually, you don't normally see Aaron Smith getting into flare-ups and he was having a, having a bit of a go at his, um, you know, doing handbags with his opposite as well. So I think the Highlanders were getting a bit frustrated. The reality is, is that basically, you know, we, we, we started the show talking about players in front of kicks and it was the winger um, who got in front of one of their kicks and, pinged for offside, that, that was the turning point in the match because um, they ended up um, from that down by their goalposts, yellow card, try, three tries, I think it was, while the yellow card, two tries, while the yellow card was there. And, um, <clears throat> yeah, that was the end of the game, really, once that happened, wasn't it? So, really, the um, the winger, needlessly getting in front of the, uh, the the box kick, basically turned the game. Yep, Paul, just 
you, you said you saw the game, it was 14-0, but we should, it would be remiss of us to sort of mention those two opening tries because they were too well taken tries by the Highlander. A nice little, a nice play off the, off the back of the lineout. And in fact, um, Aaron Smith went into the first five position and just put a, a deft little chip over the top, which was which was well picked up by Michael Collins. And he scored, so it was a really good start. And yeah, there was that feeling of maybe here we get, here we go again. And 12 minutes later on the 15th minute mark, we saw a really good try on the right side to uh, to see a Tompkinson. But once again, there's a great bit of skill in that try from Aaron Smith, where he basically pretty much gets an offload. He has to pick up a really low pass, but just flicks on a really, really good pass to uh, uh, Hooker Coltman, who was in support. And they won the ball so quickly. It was just a case of moving it to the right. So there was that was a really, really good try. And you thought, well, here we go. And then the, then the Rebels on the back of some penalties got a little bit of field position, but the, the try that they actually did create what, to Korobeti, and I think that's his first try in any yes. sort of super rugby. Yeah, he scored. This year. Unbelievable. Boy, you'll, you, you'll see a nice bit of deception from from both the uh, both the midfielders of, of, the, of the Rebels where they were actually able to hold both Gregory and Collins in the midfield which basically put the um, the fullback um, worth on the outside, and they were able to shift it to to Kurobeti. And from there, man, he he didn't look like he was going to be be stopped. Even directly, he came across him, really no chance. And um, mate, they they actually really worked their tails off to stay in the game, but there was some ill dis- discipline from the, the Highlanders at at that time to keep them in the game. And look, it's, it's, it appears that. Um... You're talking about discipline here. Is that uh, the uh, I say the, the the rebels take that um, that one point lead on the 44th minute, then they get themselves a yellow card, and um, that uh, basically that enables or during that yellow card, um, the Highlanders take three tries, a penalty try, one to Dixon, one to um, Nariki, and essentially the game's gone. Uh, so it looks like that, that yellow card really was uh, was oh. a key moment in this game. Yeah, Ulysses the hooker. Yeah, he, and, you know, even every there was there was agreement all around with 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 the commentators, and I think even watching it live, as soon as you saw it, it, it was cynical. He knew what he did. You know, all he had to do is really de- defend because they were de- up until then they were defending all, all right, but then you give the, a team like the Highlanders even even more more field position, and um, yeah, I think yeah. that was probably uh, that was pretty much the winning so- of the game for the visitors there and there. So, so, so two thing, two things on two things on that on that specific moment. Um, one is just like, oh, so frustrating when referees don't yellow card players who are you know when there's an advantage and this is like, oh, it's advantage. We better kill the ball so they don't get the op- two bites at the cherry. Right? There needs to be more yellow cards for that cynical play because that's yeah. cynical play. That, that is out and out cynical play. There is no other way to describe that. That Ulysses moment is interesting because I don't. Th- Ironically, that wasn't cynical play. He'd given away the penalty, and he was, no, no, listen up, listen up. You can see in his face, he's he's frustrated at what he's just given away a penalty, and he lashes out, and and he lashes out at the ball because he's frustrated he's given away the penalty. So he didn't actually do it. I don't believe he did it cynically, but he still stopped the Highlanders getting two bites at the cherry, and it was the right, you know, as I alluded to, fantastic that a yellow card was given for that situation but you look at you see his face 
And I honestly, I, I'm pretty sure it was that he was frustrated that he'd given away the penalty and he lashed out at the and he kicked the ball. Adam, so he's angry at himself and he's done it. If you you know when yeah, you yeah, yeah, yeah sort yeah. of thing. I don't think he was sort of like, oh, I better kick the ball out of the ruck so it sort of you know they can't um, yeah so it ruins their chance at two bites of the cherry because the reality is is that he would have kicked it out of the ruck. It goes to the Highlanders. And they've got the ball to still carry on playing. So yeah, I, I genuinely believe it was he was just flashing out and frustrated at himself. Anyway, so that's um uh unless any final comments, we'll have a quick look at the table. Well, I was, I was gonna say there was also a card to Billy Harmon as well, but once again, as Ashwin said before, you actually had a situation where the uh, rebels were playing under advantage, and during that advantage, the, the Highlanders gave away three, I think it was three or two, four, two or three, three, two or three or three, four or five. <laughs> and, and credit, credit to, to Paul Williams. He didn't count it as one. He actually yep. counted it as three and pretty much ding, said, listen, ding, the next time ding. you infringe your next person off. So that was, that was Billy Harmon. Hey, yep. little, good, good little finish there from, uh, from, the, from the Rebels. They, you know, um, Kurabiti goes in for a second try. Must have thought it was, thought it was, uh, uh Christmas and, Gib and Gibbon, Gibbon scored. So it was really good, but, um, I, I just want to mention, I'm going to be a bit biased. I'm just going to mention Scott Gregory. And it's simply because he just seems to be getting better and better in that second five. And he was highlighted at the end of the game by the Australian uh, uh, net, net, network stand. And the good thing about him, he's actually doing the little, he's doing all his basics right. And he's actually a, a really, really big body as well. Goes into contact hard, but more importantly, up against a good player in Matt Tamua today. Um, and, and to come out of that, um, that game, you know, a lot of lot of credit to him because he's. I think it's a good redemption story because I, I do believe he's a player that's been played out of position. Well, like but Michael, that's it. Like Michael Collins, same. You know, put them in their rightful positions, and you'll see that they are good footballers. But that you know, you you alluded to this a long time ago, right? And the fact is that when we when we when Gregory is on the wing or at fullback, dropping the high balls and all that sort of things, it's like he he didn't play. Wing. He didn't play fullback. He was a second five, even first five, when he was at high school. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. and he's playing out of position. And and I so, know, um, yeah, he's now playing in the right position. And ironically, the best game I actually saw him play was a minor ten cup uh, game a few seasons ago against Bay of Plenty, playing at centre. Go figure. Yeah, um, uh, yeah so but um, I suppose a little bit playing, playing the right position. Um, moving on then to the... Oh, actually, now, before we move on, Paul, it's oh. like it, the Highlanders missed out by millimetres on getting their bonus point. Yeah. Aaron yeah. Smith basically, with with a blade of grass left, basically makes the smallest of knock-ons um, to miss out on the bonus point. Uh, which means that they are now sat in uh, fourth place in the table, um, and uh, which is why I think, uh, I'd say... The Blues and the Hurricanes got some got some got some uh, tough games coming up. The Hurricanes away, to, uh, sorry, the the uh, the, um, the Hurricanes away at uh, the Brumbies for hosting the uh, the Reds and Gears at home, um, and uh, the uh, Blues also to over to travel to the Reds. So whilst they're on fifteen points, they've got tough games coming up. One point ahead of the Crusaders, who have already played both the Reds and the um, uh, the Brumbies. They've played the two strongest teams in Super Rugby AU. Uh, so I wouldn't be surprised to see them go through undefeated. Uh, the Highlanders have uh, slipped back into fourth place, missing out on two. I've only picked up one bonus point from the three games. And obviously the Chiefs, with that loss, uh, are uh, 
already um, looking at uh, finding it uh, being unlikely to make it to finals this season. Uh, obviously, the Australian sides, whilst I think math, uh, yeah, well, oh, yeah, obviously mathematically already, all the Australian sides are out of the um, uh, the finals. Reds can only pick up ten points from here, which put them on fourteen, which would see them in third place at best. So we are going to see an all New Zealand final. Um, and uh, Stephen uh, Stephenson uh, Minton says, "No tough games the Blues this year. Um, it is our <laughs> year." So there we go. It's good to see, it's good to see the this is it uh, year. <laughs> Um, <laughs> Brilliant, Stefan. Brilliant. <laughs> um, uh, the uh, yeah, so the Highlanders got the uh, Waratahs and Brumbies coming up. So again, not a, not an easy uh, running for them. I think we'll probably see the final between the Blues, Hurricanes, and Crusaders. Like one of the two of those. Top you can't three. have three tiers. Not as a game of three halves. We're having um, a game I'm, of three halves. <laughs> I don't think the, I, 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 well, the, the Chiefs, I think, are out of it. And I think the Highlanders also uh, are, are probably out of it. I think it's going to be between those top three. Uh, the, those top three will make the two, will be the two finalists. Is, the big uh, one for the Blues, actually, Paul, the blue, big one for the Blues is actually next week, obviously, with the Reds because yeah. they're back um, at Eden Park against the Force. Yeah, so that, that one, that one they will pick up. That, 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 that's another try bonus point win, let's be honest. Um, yeah. The Force at home are tough. On the road, I'm sorry, but uh, that, uh, that, that especially after being on the road for three weeks, um, it, that's it. Um, yeah, Stefanson, uh, you've already um, uh, um, obviously, apart from the fact that uh, Aaron has spelt your name wrong, uh, he's already blaming you for the fact that the Blues will win, that the Blues will, uh, the Blues will lose. Um, thank you, everybody, for joining us for the Super Rugby Review. We'll be back on uh, Tuesday evening with the uh, Driving Wars show. And obviously, I'm here at 7 a.m. every single morning with the morning sports briefing. Um, thank you so much for uh, coming along and listening to and, and watching and listening to our uh, these shows on New Zealand Sports Radio. Don't forget, you can become a supporter at patreon.com forward slash NZ Sports Radio. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.